All the niggas debating my numero Not the three, not the two, I'm the UNO Yeah Numero UNO Me and Drizzy, this shit like the Super Bowl Man, this shit done it big as the Difference is, it's just two guys playing shit that they did in the studio. Niggas usually send their verses back to me and they be terrible, just like a two year old. I love a dinner with some fine women when they start debating about who the gold. I'm like, go ahead, say it then. Who the gold? What is up? What's up, bro? Chilling, man. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first episode of 2024. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year, peeps. Heck yes. I hope you and Tess had a very Merry Christmas. We did. I hope you y'all did as well, brother. Oh man, I, I had a great Christmas, man. I had a great Christmas. A lot's happened since we had our last podcast. Yes. We, we got our next one's gotta be a sports podcast, man. There's too much that's happened in the world of sports. Alabama shocked the world making it to the playoffs. We did it, let me go ahead and just say congratulations to Michigan and Michigan fans. Heck of a game. I've got nothing to be mad about. Jim Harbaugh, you, sir, earned that win. You're not going to hear anything about cheating from this Bama fan. All you're going to hear from me is congratulations. And any Bama fan out there that's acting salty right now, none of us thought we'd be in that Final Four after the South Florida game. Nobody did, but we made it. So we got nothing to hang our heads about. But we got to do a sports one. That was just a quick side tangent because Bama fans have been getting on my nerves recently. We will, de- yeah, we will definitely be catching up into that because now we're about to head into the playoffs and NBA seasons uh, coming coming up mid midway through the season. It's, it's about to be a lot, bro. So we're as definitely a, going as to. As a Spurs fan, I have nothing to say about the NBA. Nothing. You better not be complaining. You got Wimby. No, no, no. I mean, bro, we're, we got five wins on the season. I literally have nothing to say. There's nothing to talk about for me. That's okay. It's just the first year. Yo, let's go work out some All kinks, right. man. But we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about your boy, your hero, your icon, Mister Zachary. I always forget it. Is it Edward? Zachary Edward Snyder. Zachary Edward Snyder the first. He's not a junior, is he? No. So Zachary Edward Snyder, the first of his name. First of his name. His newest movies come out. Rebel Moon. Uh, yes. And we're just going to get right into this. So Rebel Moon, uh, definitely, like, I'm, I'm going to give Zack Snyder this credit. His name, whether you love him or you hate him, there's very, very few people out there who when you say the name Zack Snyder, unless they've been living under a rock, will say, who's that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. wh- whether you love the guy or you hate the guy, you know yeah. him. You've heard of him. Right. So Rebel Moon was very hype project. That's been his uh, newest thing that's come out. A lot yeah. of hype, a lot of hype around this because a lot of people feel like Zach was not allowed to express his full artistic self back at uh, Warner Brothers with Batman v Superman. And we all know what happened with the Warner Brothers uh, DCU, which which is officially dead now which we may talk about some today now that it's officially dead and the final oh, movie yes. and, the, and the final movie's been released. And I think much to the surprise of no one, it flopped, but we can get into that later. Yeah. Um, 
But a lot of people were excited about this because Army of the Dead, by all accounts, was a hit. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, this is one thing that I think people need to understand. Rotten Tomatoes, I believe, gave that film a 70-something, which, yeah. if you know anything about Rotten Tomatoes, anything above a 68 is considered certified fresh. So, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, even, on his last project, gave Zach his flowers. But with Rebel Moon, it's come out now, so everybody was hyped. The reviews have been terrible, uh, universally, by critics. Critics, yeah. ha- critics have universally uh, been tearing this movie a new one. As we Shite, it. shited on it, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's been bad. It's been brutal. Uh, Not a surprise. The, the fan reviews, I don't even... Typically in the past, I've said mixed reviews, but in this one, I would argue that the fan reviews have leaned negative. There are those who seem to like this film, but for the most part, when I, I've been going on YouTube and I've just been typing in Rebel Moon reviews, and you scroll through, and most of what I have found, I'd say about 75 to 80 percent, have been negative. So the consensus seems to be from a lot of people that at the very least, Rebel Moon was not Zack Snyder's best work. But We'll get into that in a minute, or I will. So I'm just going to ask you, Eric, as somebody okay. as somebody who has been a member of the Restore the Snyder, or really not, you, you weren't so much. Just the in, Snyder fan, period, man. Well, I, I was about to say, I, I don't know if I would really put you in the Restore the Snyderverse movement. No, because, I'm not in that camp. No. Be, be, because that's a movement that at this point I have absolutely no respect for. Um not that I really ever had much, um, but at this point, I just can't stand them. And I don't yeah. even want to get into that today. But um, with Rebel Moon, as someone who loves Zack Snyder, yeah, did this film meet your expectations? What were your expectations? And in your opinion, did this movie help, hurt, or really have no discernible impact on the legacy of Zack Snyder that's a that's a great question I love the way you you put that and and I just want to say that it feels good to actually be talking about a Zack Snyder project that has nothing to do with the DCEU it feels great that we're out of that era and that since Dawn of the Dead and uh, I mean, Army of the Dead and uh, Army of Thieves, the spinoff and and that whole universe got greenlit after the hit of, of Army of the Dead. It feels good to be just if it's felt good lately to be in a space where we're talking about, you know, your favorite directors doing things that they want to do and, and new and exciting things. You know what I'm saying? And that's and, and that's what that's that's the main thing to take from it, which is awesome uh, for me. So. With this, with Rebel Moon, which I was immensely hyped for, and how do I put this? We've come, you know how when a director comes out with with a whole bunch of different projects, and and once that that style hits, you start to understand what that director is about, and you start to understand what you're getting when it comes to that certain director, and when they're great. 
you know, like the Scorsese's and the Nolan, Nolans and, and all those epic directors of the world, you understand what you're getting from them every time. And that's how you want it from them every time. Uh, and it's the same thing with Zach. Zach has a particular style. He has a style that only he can do. That's what he's known for. That's what he's made his bread and butter doing when he directs the way he tells a story. And that's the way fans and people who just watch movies, period, have come to expect from him. They understand that there's a certain criteria that comes with a Snyder film, a certain criteria that has to be met. And if it's not, then it's just anything. It's, it's anything but that. So when you say, you know, when you talk about the reviews and everything, you know, from the critics, you know, okay, yeah, I expect that. That and and they and to be fair, they've given Zach his flowers heavily. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they gave him his flowers with Army of the Dead. They gave him his flowers with ZSJL. You know, full unsolicited. And mind you, those films are full. I forgot. Didn't they give that one? That one was even higher than Army. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that no, good, good. That one was higher than Army of the Dead, wasn't it? Because I feel like ZSJ, I, th- I think Army of the Dead is like a 72-73. Yeah. And then ZSJL is like a 78-79. Yeah. So, yeah, me... it's something like that. Yeah. And th- those were in the same year. That was 2021. So, yeah, 72 from from RT and 93% from the audience. IMDb shot it up there as their top rate, one of their top 10 superhero movies of all time. Uh, and Army of the Dead got good reviews too. So, so they've given him his flowers. And, and part of that realization with Snyder is understanding that we know what to expect from Zack Snyder. We know what makes a Zack Snyder movie. Anything less than that, then there's going to be sort of this iffy factor to it. So, um, as far as my and and with and those are the prime two examples you talk about army of the dead that one was out the gate uncompromised rated r off the rip brutal you know uh beautiful storytelling character wise just action packed you know all that that you want from a snyder movie unsolicited chaos rated r beautiful that's that's awesome that's why that film got what it got uh zsjl don't even have to speak for it the 4 hour uh, Justice League movie that is described as the Lord of the Rings of DC films. So, I mean, four hours of dark side and everything that we didn't get is, you know, prior. What else? What? How could that not be any better? Better score, better visuals, better story, everything. Unsolicited, four hours of it. Bam. So, we're at Rebel Moon, we get to Rebel Moon, and my expectation was that, okay, we're about to get more of the same. Except for Zach is about to do this epic space story. So I'm like, okay, Zach's edginess, his capacity to tell darker, more, you know, crazier stories, you know, all that sort of rolled up into a space opera. I'm like, okay, that's going to be freaking awesome. And I'm expecting the full spread right on point. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the days of us, you know, having to wait for Ultimate Editions and all of that is behind us because the world now knows who Zach is and they know what he's bringing to the table every time. Uncompromised vision, nothing cut out, everything there the first time. There is no, you know, PG-13, PG-whatever, you know, let's bring it hard the first time like only Zach can. 
And that's what I was expecting. I went into it thinking, okay, those days are behind us. But then we get to the film. And now, mind you, I gave the film, it sits at a, what, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes from the fans. I'm sitting more along that line to 65 to 70 or 6 or 7 out of 10 because there's 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 a little expectation there that things have to be different. And the film, to meet this cut of the film, I will correct myself, didn't deliver on that. There were parts of the story that it felt like the whole movie was short. This movie was too short to be a Zack Snyder movie. And now for the Snyder fans listening, you if you came thinking that I'm just going to go crazily ballistic and all that, no, I'm not because I love Zach and I'm also reasonable and logical about my opinions on films. So that that in itself, I'm not just going to automatically praise everything, you know, off the I'm going to talk about what things what what got met and what didn't. And so for me. I thought the action was great. I thought the I thought the movie looked good. You know, the characters were cool, but there just felt like there was something missing. There felt like there were things missing from the movie, and it just quite didn't reach that. Now, then of course, now we know that part of the deal with Netflix when he did Rebel Moon was that they wanted a sci-fi franchise to put out for themselves. They wanted a PG cut for family friends whatever to make it more marketable and then later on zach could have his director's cut that he'll also put up there so that was part of the deal with netflix that's what netflix wanted and now i'm not i'm not bashing netflix because they're not bad they're i'm not i'm not gonna say that they're perfect but at so far being a a studio or a streaming service that that works with so many big names and bringing so many stories to the table, you know, that you can't, that won't always have to go to theaters. They're the ones who've made that space. This is Netflix we're talking about. So they wanted their cut. They got it. And this cut is not it. This cut of the film is not it. Now, never in my life have you heard me say, and this is my opinion, you've never heard me say that there's a bad Zack Snyder movie to this day. <clears throat> even with Rebel Moon out after I've watched it, I don't believe there is a bad Zack Snyder movie. I believe that there is there's been there's been films that just don't have it all there and it's not the full thing. And that's my opinion on Rebel Moon. This movie is missing so much from it that it makes the characters in the film seem like one dimensional, like General Titus and and a few others you know, uh, Nemesis, who was awesome. They only have, like, we, we immediately get into knowing, uh, meeting Nemesis and seeing what it is they want. We don't get no backstory from her, no introduction. You know what I'm saying? General Titus is the same thing. We, we don't get nothing from that. You know, it's just like, well, golly, man, I like, I wouldn't have minded what in the first, and if, if there was another hour, hour, half, you know, or even story about stories about Jimmy the robot and his rebellion or whatever. I would have taken that all within the first film. I need the whole thing laid out because this is the first chapter. But with part two, as we as we've seen in the trailers and the teasers, the backstories of Titus and Nemesis and a whole bunch of others are being explored as they get ready for the second attack from the mother world. And as you can tell by the way I'm talking, the lore is there. 
So the film doing what it did with Rebel Moon wasn't the problem. The lore is there. All of that's there. The world building is there. But as far as the, the full gist of the, the characters, that's where it falls. Like, there's just so much more that should have been left in the film. Because if, if it's not the whole thing, then it's just not going to come across. The message isn't going to come across. You see that with JL, Justice League, and ZSJL. Hour half, hour 45 Justice League movie versus a three to four hour Justice League movie. Now, you can convey the, uh, a, a certain message if you want to, depending on who's directing. If they want to do it in an hour, half, two hours, cool. Sometimes storytellers tell it differently to where they want it three, four hours. That's cool, too, as long as you get your message across. With Rebel Moon, I don't think the full scope of the epicness of what this franchise will and can be was expressed all in this first movie. I don't think it was all there. I think there's things missing, certain scenes missing that should have been kept in there. And and if not, now if the director's cut doesn't improve or add to the overall context of the of the first film, then okay, that's just what it is. This 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 will just be, you know, I, it'll be a movie that I think is still good, but I think had could have done a lot more. I think for a Zack Snyder movie, and maybe part two and three will will just let the gate the gates of hell open and loose. But for now, uh, my my thought on Rebel Moon is that I don't even want to watch. And this is not this is not saying in this negatively. I don't even want to watch the movie unless it's the full thing. I didn't been through so much, and you've been there for it too fighting for the, 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 the Snyder Cut of Justice League and all that, I know better now. I've gotten accustomed to what I want, and what I want is the full vision of whatever Zach does. Not a PG cut, not a nothing. I want it all the first time, and I told you that the other day. And so until then, I'll probably watch Rebel Moon once or, once or twice more, but after that, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting till April because I need the whole director's cut. I need the whole thing. I don't want to be, I don't want stuff chopped out. I want, I want the whole thing, man. That's just how I am. That's how I love my Snyder movies. Full, raw, uncut, like a brick, like, you know, like a brick. You know what it is. Like, that's all I want. That's it. So that's what we've grown accustomed to. And anytime you cut things out to try to make it PG or whatever, we've seen how that's worked in the past. And it's the same results that you're seeing right now. Movie that seems like it's half done or too short and just not all there together. So those are my thoughts. So just so I'm understanding you correctly, uh, even though you acknowledge that the film is an incomplete story and everything else that you said, you're still giving it a 7 out of 10? 6 I'll I'll say I'll say it a six or a six point five. I'll I'll stay there in that little area because that's that's how I feel. And, and what takes it there is the just the shortness of the movie. Like I'm with a with a Snyder movie, bro. I like to you know that's one of them films that I his films I put up there when I you know I don't sit down and watch Lord of the Rings on some random Tuesday. Like no, I got to set time aside to watch this art. You know what I'm saying? I, so I, that's. Yeah, it's, and and as far as your legacy question, does it affect his legacy? Simple answer: No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does not. So, so to yeah, all right, go ahead. So to answer my own question there at the end, 
I didn't really think that this film was going to affect his legacy one way or the other, because for me, I think Watchmen and 300 alone have already cemented his legacy as somebody. I mean, if, if even I think the most hardcore Snyder hater would say that 300 is a good movie. Yeah, like that. That is just one of the ultimate guy movies, you know, like yeah. for, for lack of a better term. Like, if you're ever wanting to get hyped up, just listen to Gerard Butler as King Leonidas. Yeah. Like, I, I'm serious. Like, that one, like, my one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever is I, I always forget which army it was he's meeting up with, but the leader looks at Leonidas and he's all like, Bro, you only brought 300 warriors, only 300 fighters. Oh, the Greeks. Yeah. He yeah. And he's Greeks. all like, What's your profession? Oh, painter, builder. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Spartans, yeah, what's your profession? How? Well, How? Looks, yep. looks, well, it looks like I brought more fighters than you. I was I like, brought oh. more soldiers than you did. Yeah. <laughs> Every time that man opened his mouth, you're like, ah. Yeah. Just the, yep. the, the, and then when Xerxes told him to bend the knee, and he's like, okay, I would, but I kind of pulled something in that last time when I was killing your soldiers. So I'm I hurt right now. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, no, he didn't. But that being yeah. said, no, his, his legacy is already cemented with 300. And, and, and as I've said on numerous occasions, and I'll repeat again, Watchmen is the like, if you're just going to say a director took one specific comic story and put it on the big screen, Watchmen's done it better than anybody. Like yeah. They took one story and kept it as as close to the comics as you possibly can. And put it on the big screen. I, I still would, gave it three versions of the different movies after that. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. So I don't really think this affected his legacy. So here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to okay. give you the strengths of the movie. Then I'm going to give my rating. I'm going to explain okay. my rating process when I give it. Okay. And then after I give my rating, I'm going to talk about the weaknesses of the film. Because I, I, I feel like there's a lot. But before we get to that. Let's yeah. get to the strengths. Okay, starting out with one of my favorite characters in the film, played by one of my favorite actors, Anthony Hopkins is the voice of Jimmy the Robot. Um, yeah. I absolutely love this character. He he reminded me of what's his face from Rogue One. That 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 was the yeah. Ro- that was oh, yeah, yeah yeah. I can't remember his name, and I hate I that because he he was seriously one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever. In Rogue One, he was hilarious. K two S O. Yeah, see, that was one of the few times where they gave a, co- a he was. I mean, he was comedic relief a lot, but he had his serious moments. Yeah, um, I think but, he was the first that we've seen like that for real. Oh yeah, he was awesome. But yeah, Jimmy the Robot was really cool. His story, um, yeah, what we got of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, the story's so chopped up. We didn't really get enough with Jimmy. I just thought he was a cool character. Uh, mm. the, the highlight and the, the strong point of this movie for me, without question, is Noble. Um, I, I thought he acted circles around everybody in the film. I felt like it, every scene he was in, he took over. Like Fact. He, yeah. he, he commanded the time whenever he showed up. He was there to, you know, hey, I'm here. I'm the I'm the baddie. I'm here to kill people. You know, yeah. time to bend the knee. It was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, that opening scene of him beating that dude to death with the stick, that was pretty hardcore. 
Uh, yeah. I thought that was a phenomenal. I'm a sucker for good villain intros. Like one thing that I love for my villains in a film is I want your introduction to be even more dramatic than the heroes. Like yeah. when the hero shows up, we're expecting that. Like we typically like, okay, here's the hero, cool beans. But when yeah. the villain shows up, we need to all have this kind of, oh. Oh, crap. Oh, it just got real. Right. That this dude's not here to play. You know, that's why everybody loves Thanos so much, because that was somebody who was hyped up for years. He was just teased. They'd show his face in a couple of films, and we kind of knew when this purple dude shows up, it's going to get real. And then when he showed up, we lost half the Avengers. So, yeah, he delivered. And that's why that's how Thanos seated himself as one of the goats. But Noble, yeah. uh, Noble was absolutely amazing. I loved his story. I loved, uh, I loved everything about him. He was amazing. And then the yeah. uh, the other strength is just the overall concept and design and the sets of the movie. I thought that the visuals in this film were really, really good. I mm. think that the the character designs were all cool. Uh, General Titus, as you mentioned, uh, when I saw the trailer, he was he looked like the character to. He, he just looked awesome. I mean, he looked like a mean character, somebody that could crack skulls, and that's what we were looking for in the film. Uh, yeah. Nemesis with her version of a lightsaber, which we're going to talk about later, uh, mm-hmm. that looked really, really cool. Um, there really wasn't a bad character design in the film. Um, so I, I give credit to Snyder on that. Uh, the characters were really cool. So now for the ranking. So those were my strengths. I like Jimmy. I like Noble. And I think that the overall concept of this film is really, really interesting. I think the visuals were cool. Um, So overall, that's the positives. So real quick, before I give my rating for this movie, let me remind the J-House audience, because I have it written down now. This is my updated rating list. Used to, I had it all, I had it like a one or a two, a three or a four. I would say a one or a two is unwatchable, but now I've got it more specific so I can give more accurate ratings. So a one is unwatchable, two is a disaster, a three is terrible, a four is bad, a five is okay, a six is good, a seven is great, an eight is amazing, a nine is jaw-dropping, and a ten is perfect. So in, in that context, I give a... Rebel Moon, a 3.5 out of 10. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is where I get into the weaknesses. This film had a lot of them, and I was extremely disappointed in this film. Um, I know you say that, you know, you're going to give it a lot of passes because, you know, we got cuts here and there. And I understand that argument. But here's my thing, Eric. I've got to rank what I watched. Right. Like, that's what I'm here to do. I'm, yeah. I, I'm here to tell you, like, based on I mean, yeah, everything you said is valid, 100 percent valid. But at the end of the day, I don't know what I'm not seeing. And all I have to go on to judge this film is the two hours and 30 minutes that they put on. That we got. Right. And that right. two hours and 30 minutes that I watched is a three point five out of ten movie. It, was, it wasn't it for you. And I would argue 
that it was objectively a 3.5 out of 10. And let me explain. I know a lot of people tend to think that there's no such thing as objectivity in movies. Like everything, like anything can subjectively be good when it comes to art in cinema. The cinema is an art. And so therefore art is open to interpretation. And therefore there's really no such thing as objectively bad in the world of cinema. And I I understand that sentiment, but I do not agree because there are two, two qualities of cinema that are objective. One of which is acting. There is such thing as bad acting. There is such thing as performances that you watch and they embarrass you on behalf of the actor because it's that bad and we are lying to ourselves if we've never if we're saying that we've never seen any movie in our entire life that made us feel that way now I've seen a few of those huh yeah. i said i've seen a few of those yeah. yeah we've all seen a bunch of them and i'm not naming any director by name or insinuating like i'm not about to have some big loop back to snyder on this i'm just making a point yeah you know acting is objective and there was a time when the Oscars were objective. Now you might dis- yeah. you might disagree with who they gave the Oscar to, but we can yeah. all agree for the most part in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, they may not have given the award to the right actor or actress, but they got the five best of that year there at the very least. You know what I mean? At least, it's at least it's like whenever Leo got screwed over for uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. It's like that was obviously the best performance. He didn't win, but he was there because even yeah. though the Academy didn't give it to him, the Academy knew objectively this performance belongs here. Like we, yeah. we literally can't argue it. And then number two is storytelling. Like there are some movies that just have stories that are objectively all over the freaking place. They're incoherent. And it's not that the director made something that people and again this is not a dig at Snyder that this is not something where I'm trying to play mm-hmm. slight Snyder and it's not that you know like oh well this director just it's a complicated story and you just don't get it no 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 some stories are just dumb some stories are just dumb and there are movies out there here's my point here there's such thing as movies that are objectively good but I don't enjoy one example is gone with the wind okay that's a four-hour movie about, uh, I believe it's the Civil War. I think so. Yeah, but it's a four-hour movie. It's long as heck. The acting is amazing. The sets are amazing. But yeah. I've I, I watched it one time. I'm never watching it again. It, it put me to sleep. It bored me to tears. It's an objectively well-made film, but it's not for me, right? Yeah. But I can't yeah. say that Gone with the Wind is objectively bad. And then there's movies that are objectively bad but kind of enjoyable to watch. One example is this terrible movie I just watched on Netflix called Polar. It's basically a John Wick knockoff. Like the, <laughs> the, the story's horrible. The acting is even worse. But there's some epic fight scenes in the movie. So I'm at least able to watch it and be like, wow, this is crazy and fun to watch. But is it a good movie? Heck no. Yeah. But it's fun to watch. Okay. Rebel Moon, in my estimation, is a film that is objectively bad. And not only that, I didn't enjoy it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Did I enjoy Noble? Yes, I did. I I enjoyed him. He was great. 
but the characters in this film were the most two-dimensional that Zack Snyder has ever made. I've never seen characters this flat from him. Like, let's go through the list. Titus. Holy crap. The character I was most excited for, he, he, did he say 10 words the whole movie? Not at all. He just stood there. And then at the end of the film, here we go. Like, the, the, the heroes are captured and they break free. And here's General Titus. He's going to break free. And they didn't show him at all. The, the whole fight, they had that whole fight to show General Titus doing something. They had spent the whole film amping him up like, oh, my God, they got General Titus. You know, he, he's the biggest baddie ever. He can beat up anyone. And I'm like, yeah. man, I can't wait to see that. And then we don't see that. And he doesn't do anything. And then Nemesis. Um, Zach, this is what shocks me about Nemesis, Eric. Zack Snyder has a reputation for being a director who breaks stereotypes, right? Uh, yeah. Nemesis' entire personality is she's an Asian with swords. Like, that's all we get from her. And I'm, think, I, I'm thinking, wow, an Asian woman who's a ninja. Okay. She was cool in that fight against the whatever that spider was. Uh, that yeah, th- that was pretty. That, that was about as much depth about story wise as far as having more from the movie that I think we got the entire movie. Like the whole backstory about the spider and the world being destroyed because they're mining there and her being bitter and taking other people like stuff like that. That's the little stuff that makes. A Snyder film, but go ahead. No, I get that, and you know that was, it was random but cool. I mean, you know, Star Wars and all sci-fi movies. If we're being fair, they have that one scene where you're like, "What the heck was that?" Yeah, like, what like you know, because you know, sci-fi is like, what the what. But then, like Nemesis, she she's just a stereotype. It, yeah, she she's just a she doesn't really talk, doesn't do anything, and then we get to the main. Uh, I'll get to Cora in a second. Let's talk about the prince. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember his name. I don't. I don't even remember his name. Like that's how forgettable he was. He he doesn't do anything. Like the the and Zack Snyder. Hold on, I'm trying to think how to say this. Zack Snyder, I love you, but dude, not everything has to be in slow motion. Not every you can have an epic scene and not have it drag out for 10 minutes. Like, okay, war scenes in slow motion, yes, but giving me five minutes of a guy jumping onto a bird, come on. Now, that was pretty, that's just one of his trademarks. I, and it's I, I a, get that it's his trademark, but I that just felt so unnecessary. I'm like, bro, like, okay, the jump in slow motion, yes. But this dude slowed down from the moment he hit the ground to the moment he got up to the the running and the jump. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. He's still going. And I'm just like, wow, okay. And he really didn't do anything either. The, the only character in that entire 
Prince Tarek is who you're talking about. Prince Tarek, yeah, that's his that's his name. The only character in that whole protagonist group that they even attempted to give more of a personality than just I'm upset is what's the name of the guy that they hired that ended up betraying them? Kai. Yeah, him. Played by Charlie freaking Hunnam. Yeah, Kai is the only character on the good guy side that I felt had any kind of personality to him. Everybody else felt like a video, like a video game character from a game in the two thousands, like the, just like I was watching a video game cutscene, like from like the early two thousands, like listening to Cora talk every single time. I, and I said this to you, and I'm going to say it again. This is my thought on Cora. Cora has the exact opposite problem that Ray had in Last Jedi. In the Last Jedi. Ray's problem is she is played by an actress with tremendous talent. Daisy Ridley can act. She is like Ray was, oh, yeah. Ray was not bad because of her and her choices as the actor. She was given what she was given. Yeah. Right. But her problem was she didn't have a story to work with. She just she wasn't given anything to work with. Yeah. Cora's problem She's given a story that the background is there. She is given like she's the only character in the movie who they explain where she comes from, her life, everything. And it's a pretty fascinating story in all honesty. Um, But the actress that plays her did not do a good job. For the right. the only time she did good acting was the, the scene where she brought General Titus in. That opening monologue of her talking about I can't love, I can't be loved was the that was so flat and just so just uh I was I was almost cringing at that. But she does have some really cool fight scenes. She does have some really cool backstory. I love her story. Um and then I can say this. She was not the worst actor in the film. Her character was not the worst performance. The worst performance of the film, and I feel like you're going to disagree with me on this, and, and this would be a, a, a heretical thing to say in the Zack mm. Snyder fandom because everybody loves this actor so much, but I got to speak what I feel. I felt Ray Fisher was the weakest link in this whole movie. I felt like his character was the worst, the blandest. His sacrifice, like, okay, that was a cool sacrifice, um, but the few lines that he acted, I, I, I just didn't think it was good. It fell flat, which surprised me because I like Ray Fish. It was kind of, it was kind of over dramatic, wasn't it? Very, very, and I, and I, I. I'm not even going to talk about the Snyder, what I've read from the Snyder fandom justifying everything in this movie, trying to act like this is uh, you know, Space Lord of the Rings. I anyone saying that this movie is Space Lord of the Rings needs to be publicly laughed at because that is an insult to Lord of the Rings. That, 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 that is horrible to say. Ray Fisher was not good in this film. And then the story. Okay. 
I said earlier that the concept is pretty cool, right? Yeah. You know why this concept is so cool? Do you know why Korra's story is cool? Why Nemesis' swords are cool? Because they ripped it off of Star Wars, which is the coolest franchise of all time. I understand that this was Zack Snyder wanted to tell a Star Wars story, and then he got denied, and that's what this is. I understand that, but it's one thing to make your own version of a Star Wars story, and it's another thing to just rip off major... Like, it's one thing to take elements from a story. It's another thing to just copy and paste major plot points. Like, okay, Eric, have you ever heard this premise in a movie before? Evil intergalactic space empire is going from planet to planet, uh, making sure you're in line. And if you're not in line, they have a laser that can destroy your whole community, maybe your whole planet, because there's an evil intergalactic emperor. And in a shocking plot twist that we find out later on, our main protagonist is actually the child of the main antagonist. Where have I heard this before? Oh, that's <laughs> right. Star Wars. But I'm not talking about Star Wars. That's the exact plot of Rebel Moon. And I love Zack Snyder so much. But Nemesis at one point actually whips out lightsabers. Her own... I'm like, they're not even trying to hide it now. Like, Molten lava swords to be correct. But I see what you're saying. I it, see what you're saying. It's a great value lightsaber. It is a great value lightsaber. And this movie at many points felt like great value Star Wars. And I love Snyder, but that, like I said, there's a difference in taking inspiration from something and copying something. And the defense, look, just because someone acknowledged, like, I, I love the defense. Well, See, that's the whole point of the film. No. Plagiarism is plagiarism. This movie was supposed to be an original, groundbreaking, revolutionary sci-fi film that was going to shake the genre. Was that not what this movie was hyped up as by the community? It was. Exactly. And that's not what this was. That's not what this was at all. And I know I said I wouldn't bring the Snyder Cut community up, but I'm going to say this one thing. The people that said that this movie was going to be revolutionary for sci-fi, you've lost all credibility in the world of, ob of objective opinions of movies. There's no way with any rational person is going to look at this film and say, oh yeah, that's up there with Alien. Nobody's going to look at Cora and put her up there with Ellen Ripley. So all this garbage that was spoon-fed about Cora being the next major sci-fi person and all this other stuff is just that. Garbage. And I know I sound like I'm angry at this point. It's because I am. I'm just a little bit fired up. Because I think you've been off I think you've been on Facebook too much. A little bit, yes. Because here's the thing for both sides of the argument and especially for Snyder fans it is 100% okay to disagree with something that 
your favorite director did. It is absolutely okay to criticize or critique something that your favorite director did. It's absolutely okay. There are fans of Nolan who who pick pick stuff out of his movies all the time to nitpick about. And that's Nolan. People do it to Scorsese. People do it to all the great directors. So, like, it's not the end of the world if you somehow did not like Rebel Moon as much as you thought it did. You don't have to go on the internet and freaking, you know, respond to every toxic tweet that comes out against Zack Snyder because you're just giving them more attention and it makes you look foolish too. But I mean, other than that, man, I mean, I can't, I can't take away from anything that you said. I can't be mad about anything that you said because on the opposite end, I'm feeling like I didn't get the best of what this movie could have been either. So I can't necessarily be mad at anything you say. Do I agree with it? Uh, I'll disagree about the performance parts. Sure. But I mean, even an aspect, it was all, it's not like the film was, they already said, you know, Hey, this is a star Wars inspired, you know, story. This is, that's the whole thing about it. So I already knew going into it, like, okay, yeah, we're going to, this, this kind of going to seem like star Wars, but maybe the lore and the story. I I mean, you know, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me take back something I said. Nemesis having great value lightsabers, I, I can get over that. Like, if those are the coolest great value lightsabers I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I, I only call them great value lightsabers because they're not as cool as actual lightsabers. And if you say they are, I'm going to get off this podcast because you're not, man. You, you're not a man. The way you, the way Dis the way Disney making these light even even hey, even still the hey, way Disney makes lightsabers look you know today. Good I, mean, and well, I can't you I can't know be mad. Good and well, when I'm talking about Star Wars, I'm not talking about anything Disney did. You, you're talking about that. You know you that. know good and well when I say Star Wars, I'm talking about the six films that Lucas made. Yeah. Even, That's fact. Even I, I, I know better. I know better. I know better. You're right. You're right. You're right. Even, I know better. I told you the other day. I said, bro, even as much as I love Rogue One, I consider that one a fan fiction because George Lucas didn't make it as much. George as, Lucas. George Lucas would have approved the fuck out of Rogue One. Well, he probably would have approved of it, and I agree that he would have approved of it. But what I'm saying is, as great as it was, Lucas didn't make it. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, you know me, I'm a theology major and I'm, you know, big on, you know, the Bible is the ultimate authority, you know, and people talk about like all these great Christian authors and I'm like, cool, but that's not the Bible. I can learn a lot. I I can learn a lot from reading these people, but that's not the Bible. They got some cool commentary on the Bible and cool stories, but it's not scripture. And so with Star Wars, I have the same opinion. It's like, okay, Rogue One is cool. Mandalorian's cool. The, you know, the, uh, what was it? Obi-Wan is cool, but it's not the sequel or it's not the prequels and OG trilogy. That's what shocks me about you. You're a theology major, but like when it comes to like Star Wars, like, bro, if you were a lore head, bro, like if, if you were in the expanded universe, well, nobody could tell you shit. I'm sorry. Nobody would be able to tell you shit. What do you, what do you mean by that? Like, if, like, like, just like now, even if you're destroying people in the comments because you have the original six movies to go off of because that is your Bible, like, 
I could only imagine how how crazy how like well, it, how much more crazy it would be like if you got into like all the rest of the Star not the Disney Star well, Wars stuff. Of here, course. Here's my thing, bro. Here's my thing. Star Wars for me, like yeah, the lightsabers are cool and I love all that. But for me, the reason I'm always so big on one through six is my Bible and my comparison is because Star Wars, I've always said, it's just, for me, it's the greatest story ever told. Do I think there's some terrible acting in some of the films? Yeah. Even in the OG trilogy, I can admit that Mark Hamill is never going to be invited by the Academy for playing Luke. But that doesn't take away the fact that Luke Skywalker is arguably the most beloved protagonist of all time. I mean, the only people that you can put up... I mean, who else can you put up there with Luke besides Harry Potter and Frodo? Or uh, Frodo, the dang it, I just had a tongue slip. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, unless unless you're talking about superheroes or anything else, then it's going to be hard to. Well, you know... e- even then, there's very few superheroes that you'd put on Luke Skywalker's level. Like, okay, Batman, Superman, Spider Man, and because of well, and because of the MCU, probably Hoya and Hulk. And then maybe a few others. But, like, in just the terms of, like, fantasy, like, non-superheroes, it's just Luke, Harry, and Lord of the Rings. I'll say Anakin now. Anakin and Obi-Wan now. That's a totally different debate, though. That's a totally different debate. I mean, but anyways, back on the one through six, it's just the perfect story. Because you've got, like, in four through six, you're given just the, the perfect story of here's Luke, pure at heart. He's a good guy. Everything about Luke Skywalker is he's the good guy. You don't yeah. you don't need anything else. He's the good guy. He's Luke. Farm boy Luke. Sweet Luke. Episode five, he's a little bit tougher. Episode six, he's evolved into Jedi Master Luke. And it, it's awesome to watch. Episodes yeah. one through three, we get to watch Anakin. And in episode three, we get to see why you don't let resentment and hatred rule your life. Yeah, because you end up like Anakin killing kids, and that's another debate I always have. You talk about debates that I destroy people on. The one I have the most fun with, and the one that's easiest to tear apart, is the idea that the Jedi Council or anybody other than Anakin is responsible for Anakin's turn to the dark side. I tell people, yeah, I tell people all the time, Anakin was a hundred percent responsible. And people are like, well, if they would have just made him a Jedi, no, 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 no. If they would have made him a Jedi Master, he would have taken over the council and killed everybody. He would have been power hungry. He would have been Palpatine's puppet on the council. He admitted himself in Kenobi. Exactly. He was Palpatine's puppet. Why? It had nothing to do with being a Jedi Master. That's not what Anakin wanted above everything else. What he wanted above everything else was to keep Padme from dying because he went through so much trauma having his mom die. Which is understandable. I mean, you failed to save your mom, and so you make that vow, I will never let anyone close to me die again. And that's something with great intentions, but the problem is, the way he goes about it, I mean, his reaction, he went out there and killed every single uh, Tusken Raider he could get his hands on. And then as soon as he's done, you know, even though he got his revenge, it didn't give him the satisfaction that he wanted. Which, I mean, that's a great lesson right there. Revenge does not give you satisfaction. You know, he's crying to Padme about it. Remember, that was actually some great acting on his part. I'm not a big fan. 
I, I, Probably the best scene of all all of Attack of the Clones. Oh yeah, like I'm not big on the I don't like Sam part, but that scene where he's crying, I slaughtered them all like animals. I killed children. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's the guy that gets it. And then in episode three, he actually does kill children. So I'm like, yeah. my sympathy for Anakin ran out the moment he decided to kill a kid. Like at the, yeah. at at that point, and I get so actually people like, okay, yeah, it was wrong for him to kill children, but no, 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 there's no but. There's no but. There, there, there's no sympathy for a, a child killer. He doesn't deserve. Yeah. He is perverted by the dark side. His heart is dark. He had every and people are like, well, Yoda should have helped more. Yoda gave Yoda, him the what? Yoda gave him the only viable advice that you can give somebody when they die. When someone dies and you're, you know, and someone's consoling you, what else can they say to you other than just be happy that you had all those moments with them? Remember those moments and remember that they would want you to move on and be happy. What else can you say to someone in that moment to help them? Yeah. Rejoice for those who who transform into the force, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's what Yoda's telling Anakin. Now, is that easier said than done? Absolutely. There's a a grief process, and Jedi aren't aren't just soulless people. That's why I always got so mad at people talking about, like, you know, Anakin this, Anakin that. And I'm like, look, Anakin's got a hard life, but y'all act like everybody else on the council doesn't have struggles. Right, like people lecturing Obi Wan. I'm like Obi Wan's master died in his arms. Don't don't try and blame Obi Wan. Like he don't like he's a privileged Jedi and he don't know about loss. His master died in his arms. Lost his girl. Lost his lover during the Clone Wars. I now that's like, something I gotta watch, man. And this has turned into a full Star Wars discussion, but I don't even care. You you thought Maul you thought Maul had beef with with Obi Wan then on Naboo. I have you one, don't know shit. I have one clip shown to me. Someone sent me a video of Ahsoka fighting Darth Maul in what was really an epic fight. Very yeah. very epic fight. But, it was wonderful. But yeah, I mean that's just the the that's one of the arguments in Star Wars that I've always hated is like the. The council is responsible. Now, was there corruption on the council? Yes. But what's that got to do with Anakin killing kids? Not a thing. That's what I'm always saying. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Could Mace Windu have been nicer to Anakin when he told him to that they want the master? I, I, I guess. I mean, Anakin's a grown-ass man. But he's un- he's an unstable-ass man. But I, I mean, I mean, he, he, he's a grown man. You're 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 grown, and you can't handle someone telling you no. And you think that it's just the argument that gets under my skin, I guess, because it's one of those arguments where I don't like it when people try to. I mean, there's one thing to be sympathetic for a hero or a character, and I do have sympathy for Anakin in some aspect. Like losing your mom, that's horrible, you know. Being growing up a slave, horrible. All these other things. However, yeah. a horrible upbringing doesn't justify you killing kids. Yeah, like at- if good. No, I was saying if I could, if I could go back in time and like, and and I get and I guess that's the glory of the original trilogy too, and that's one of the great reasons why. I mean, George just 
did those movies first. I think it's for the best that those movies came out first because everyone fell so in love with Darth Vader. Everyone, you know, oh, he's such a cool villain, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He's an all black. And I'm like, if I could just like go back in the past and like show them that clip of Attack of the Clones where he talks about what he did and how he lost his mom, I'm like, I would just look at original trilogy fans and be like, y'all don't know shit. Y'all don't know nothing. I I mean, not, not as an insult, but as a warning, like, this is not as dark as Darth Vader is going to get. Like, y'all got to know what this boy has been through and what he's done to get to this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, Let's it's see, bad. And, and, watching, it's bad. And, and that's what I'm always telling sequel fans because they're always – they don't want to listen to just my most basic points about Luke Skywalker because they're talking about, well, you know, people make mistakes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I get that. Yes, people make mistakes. Nobody expects Luke Skywalker to be perfect, but the message of Star Wars has always been pick yourself up at some point. Dust yourself off. Jedi are heroes. Luke Skywalker is not a human. People keep saying like, oh, he's a human. Humans make mistakes. Yes, he's a human, but he's a Jedi. And there's a whole religion around being a Jedi that they follow. They would sooner die then abandon their beliefs. Yeah. And that's my problem with with the whole well even people in the faith fall away from the faith sometimes. Not the ones yeah. that are on Jedi level with their faith if I can get super philosophical for a moment. The people that are on the Jedi council devote their whole life to this stuff. And I can yeah. even and even if you I guess in an alternative world, you could do a story where Luke just abandons everything, and I guess it could make sense. They've made comics about that. But, they've, they've done it. But what they gave us was a bullcrap reason. Yeah. Complete bullcrap. Like, really? Luke Skywalker. Like, it's objectively stupid that you would have Luke Skywalker in episodes five and six. No, really just episode six convince a genocidal maniac that he's got redeemable qualities in him but he can't forgive Kylo for being tempted yeah like that's not a mistake that's stupid that is that is bad writing that is not understanding a character like if it's Luke is in exile Make it because he actually did kill Kylo and the dark side brought him back to life. And that's the story. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. And that would have added a lot more to it. But like for Luke Skywalker to go through that whole arc and then just give up. That's like everything we watched him go through has been rendered useless. Yeah. So that's for me. What are you saying? I did. Good, good. I'm sorry. No, no, good. No, I was saying I, I know that that wound is never going to go away for you for for the sequel trilogy, and that's that's why I encourage you. Like George, absolutely 100 percent approved of the expanded universe. He gave those authors permission to explore and add to the universe. Now George views it as a parallel universe to his his movies, but they are a a continuation of of the the original films that he made so i would encourage and you love to read so i don't i I don't i don't think you'll lose anything by 
of course, like, you know, watching the Clone Wars or by reading the Thrawn trilogy, well, which is my, my, my really the truth. going to be this, and this is what I tell people. I, I can read them, and I can watch them, and I can appreciate them, but what people are always going to have to understand with me is if there's any contradiction between the books and the movies, the movies are going to trump the book every time. Like that's fair. Like if that's we, a fair. Like, that's a fair assessment. Like, see, that's what I was meaning earlier with like the Bible. It's like I can read something, all right, and I can listen to a preacher, but when they start saying things that don't line up with what's in the Bible, I'm like, mm. I'm like, well, they're wrong. Boy, you preaching now? You preaching? But now. That's what I do. I'm like, I'll change the channel. I don't care how long I've been listening to them. When you're wrong, that, you're wrong. Bye, bro. Off my t- bro. Thank you. But that to continue. <laughs> yes. That boy, you about to get the preaching up in here, sir. But, but that's how I'm also with Star Wars. Is like if this contra, like if if Darth Vader does something in the comics that he wouldn't do in the movies, I'm gonna close the comic and be like, well, this is dumb. But I actually do have one. Uh, I've got the Darth Vader Star Wars Marvel comics. Now those yeah, are really those are, good. Those are pretty good. They 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 were good. I'm a I'm a, Darth Vader's a whole savage. There's that one scene where everybody's got him surrounded, and he they, they tell Vader, "Give up, Vader. We have you surrounded." And he says, "The only thing I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men." And dead men. That's such a Vader thing to say. And then they tell they keep yelling at him to surrender, and he says, "Okay, very well. We can, no." They said, "Let's arrange a surrender," and Vader said, "Very well." Lay your weapons down, and I'll give you a quick death. Right. And keep in mind, there's just one of him and millions of others. Right. Like, that whole thing is epic. And that's the other thing, too, with Darth Vader. Like, when the Mandalorian, not Mandalorian, Obi-Wan came out, I was so shocked at the amount of people complaining that Vader put such a beat down on Reva. I'm like, do y'all not understand who Vader is? They don't know. Like th- th- this is not a a a um, slight to Reva, who I defended. Like if you remember when the when the show came out, people hated her from episode one. But you can people can go back and check the tape from episode yeah. one. I was Team Reva. I said, yeah. which you know that may be shocking for some people who've heard what I've said about Ray in the past. But with Reva, I said, you know what? She's got a personality. She's got potential, and she got more interesting. And then her story yeah. about, you know, being one of the Padawans that are, uh, were in the temple, but she survived. Like, that's an epic story. And then to watch Vader just walk her down and stab her like he did. Yeah. In cold blood. And then after he does it, he said, oh, by the way, I've always known who you are. Like, did you really did you, think I was that stupid? I, man, you thought I was dumb? And see, that's what puts <laughs> Vader on just that god-tier echelon of villains. Yeah. Like, that's... And, and we'll do... We gotta do a podcast one day. It might be the next one. We'll do a sports one on... We've done one on heroes. But we gotta do one on what makes a great villain a great villain. And a huge part of it, I've always said... It's just those moments where you, you just kind of make that same face like you do whenever you bite into a sour apple or you hear a nasty guitar solo and you make that stink yeah. face. That stink face like, but what? Like, ooh. 
Yeah, like Heath Ledger yeah. Joker, whenever he puts the pencil through the guy's eye, like, ooh. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you should have stayed seated. Why'd you get up? Right. Bet you wishing you wouldn't have done that. Right. You know, or when the, what's his name? Well, dang it, the name of the Chinese guy in that movie. What was his name? Uh, Friggin', uh, the accountant. Yeah. Mr. That... Mr. Uh, Chow? Mr. Lau. Lau. Lau, not Chow, it yeah. was Lau. Yeah. When Joker burns the pile of money and it's, people remember, wait a minute, wasn't Lau on top of that? Yeah. I'm like, you just sitting here cooking, cooking meat, man. Cooking. And at the same that... time, he's sending another guy off to get cut to pieces and fed to dogs. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of things that make villains villains is when you give them those moments of, okay, this person's evil. Yeah. This person is the, that's what I, I mean. You can have a sympathetic villain, meaning like, oh, they had a sad upbringing, but you got to give me those moments of like Doc Ock, right? Sympathetic yeah. as heck. So sad. Such like eventually, eventually, it's got to turn into something more than sympathetic. But like, like bro, gotta... that scene where he kills those surgeons or the arms dude—that's something out of a horror film. That was the scariest thing I'd seen up until that point as a kid. Like then people, like my—I remember seeing that movie in theaters with my parents, dude. I think I was like seven or eight, and I remember my mom covering my eyes when that one nurse was like clawing at the ground. And the oh, yeah, report. where she's getting dragged and her nails are just, yeah, and my, yeah. my mom's looking at me. I'll never go. She goes, oh, my God. I thought this was a kid's movie. What the heck? Man, I'm, I'm surprised you, we stayed you, after that. That was brutal. Man, that's Sam Raimi, the horror film God. Y'all don't know nothing, man. Y'all see, that's man. the kind of villains. I, and that's where the MCU's lacking nowadays. Yeah. They just, that's, and that's what I'm always saying. What are the best MCU movies? Infinity War, Endgame, No Way Home, Black Panther, Winter Soldier. What do they all have in common? Great villains. Not good, yeah. not, not good villains. Great. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger? Phenomenal. Darn near uh, Oscar worthy. By that, by that, by that, uh, by that standard, I'm putting Age Ultron in there. I'm sorry. That boy, James Spader, body Ultron. I, he might be underrated. It was, I'll give you that. It was he, good. It, okay. It, I would have Ultron. He, he's in the echelon right below everyone. Because everyone I just mentioned is just perfect. It's almost like Drew Brees versus Brady and Manning. It's like, okay, Drew Brees was amazing. Drew Brees has a Super Bowl. He had all these records. But nobody yeah. nobody thinks that Drew Brees was better than Peyton Manning. Nobody yeah. thinks Drew Brees was better than Tom Brady. That's kind of how I would see Ultron compared to a Thanos or a uh, Killmonger or a Doc Ock. Yeah, those were perfect. But then, like, and you haven't noticed the MCU films that aren't so good, Black Widow. Uh, the third Iron Man movie. What do they have? Man. What do they have in common? Remarkably forgettable villains. I mean, heck, there, there's some villains in some of the Marvel films. I don't I, I don't even remember who it was. Like somebody had to tell me the other day who the villain was in uh 
what was it? The uh, second Iron Man movie. I was like, who was that villain again? And then, hey, man, Whiplash was pretty darn cool, man. He was pretty cool. But I'm that. But that I'm not expecting. I never did expect MCU villains to have uh, to have uh, that sort of level of depth to them. I always expected them to be, oh, come in, do their thing, and be gone. I was never expecting them to do it. But the MCU sort of gave you a little, a little blend of both. Like even even the most simple ones, like Whiplash. Like when he tells Tony, "If you can make God bleed, then people will cease to believe in him." Like. Telling to- telling that to Tony's face, I'm like, oh, like okay. Well, okay. I'll admit, <laughs> okay. Mickey Rourke is a good actor, and that was a cold line. Yeah, it, they don't they don't have to. I'm not. They don't have to be overly intricate villains. I think so, I, you know what I think it is, man. Whenever you okay. have a Tom Brady in the NFL, what happens? Every quarterback who comes through is going to ha- get compared to who? Tom Brady. When you have a Michael yeah. Jordan in the NBA, what happens? People get compared to MJ. When you yeah. ha- when you have a Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight, who pretty much saved DC, and not just saved it, but superseded anything DC had ever accomplished before or since. Academy billion dollars, perfect performance. That's just. We got spoiled. Yeah. And I and I know people on this podcast might get sick of me fanboying over Heath Ledger. But, bro, people don't know what he did for DC. It was godlike, almost. Indeed it was. Indeed it was. It was nothing to ever made. But overall, to sum up everything, Rebel Moon, not Zach's best work. Nah, I, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's it I'm I'm gonna say it could be better. And if if the director's cut doesn't improve anything and if part oh. two ends up being no. Okay, it, continue, if, continue, continue. I'm sorry. That's no you good. I just thought of one last subtopic. You're good. I I was saying if the director's cut doesn't improve that then I'm perfectly comfortable and fine with saying, okay, Rebel Moon wasn't Zack's best. I can live with that because I know Zack is always going to come back with heat. So I'm not, you know, I can live with that. Like, ooh, you're talking about a guy who's done back-to-back, in my opinion, masterpieces, back-to-back awesome movies. Like, come on, man. Like, this isn't going to hurt anything, okay? Like, come on. And you and you got a director's cut coming. So I, I can't really be too mad about it. So, that's where I stand on it. Speaking of director's cuts, David Ayer has come out, and this has kind of been the trending story. Wait, I haven't seen this. What you talking about? You haven't seen all the tweets David Ayer's been posting, responding to people. Just keep no, I... he he's been telling people on Twitter to give up on the Ayer cut. No, I limit my uh, I limit my Twitter interaction to only my laptop. Yeah, David Ayer has been anything. telling people. I've been seeing the pictures. I found out because of this Snyder. He's been telling people on Twitter that the studio has no interest in releasing the Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Give up! It's never going to happen. Well, I could have told you that. And you know, it, this is one of the. You know, it's hilarious. 
IMDB posted it. No, no, no. IGN posted it too. And I went to the comments, Eric, and I was stunned at what I read. You know what I read? What's that? Almost universally. And I read through hundreds of comments. Everybody was saying, good. We didn't want to see it. We had no interest in this. And I'm like, yeah. Duh. Why would we be interested? That movie sucked. I mean. That was the worst DC movie ever made. Arguably, like, that movie is on par with Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. It was that bad. Jared Leto was that bad. The CGI was that bad. We had a Power Ranger-looking villain in that movie. Yeah. And you know that to be facts. That is facts. And I mean, bro, like, David Ayers... Everybody wants to roast James Gunn for being a pervert, but I'm like, it wasn't James Gunn who had Harley Quinn and booty shorts for the whole movie. I'll say that much. Harley Quinn was sexy before the booty shorts. She'll be sexy after the booty yes, shorts. Har- Harley Quinn is sexy. We all agree on this, but my point is James Gunn was the one that actually gave her a more comic accurate look. David Ayer had her out there looking like lollipop chainsaw. Anyone who's ever played that game, you know what I mean. <laughs> she looked like a cheerleader. That's what she yeah. was. Now, did Margot Robbie look just gorgeous as heck that whole movie? Yes. 100%. She looked amazing. But yeah. my point being, that was just ironic. Everybody's all like, oh, James Gunn's a pervert. And I'm like, James Gunn had her more clothes than David Ayer did. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, dude, I I don't know why people are, I'm not surprised at this. I could have told them that because, like I said, the reason why we got the Snyder Cut was because that movie was not a big surprise. Already filmed. What part of already filmed do people not understand? Like, it was already there. The cut just needed a few finishing touches with visual effects and score and a redesign on Steppenwolf, and it was already done. The con- The concept was already filmed. It was there. It's been executed. Therefore, release the Snyder Cut. We need to see that version of the movie. Much more logical than a movie that had a concept like that where the original Suicide Squad was dealing with with Stephen Wolf and some other things earlier, but that was all concept. It was never filmed. They never got it there. They never did it. Yeah, sure, there was a few extra deleted scenes with Harley and Joker that were a little dark, but, like, dude, the overall concept of what the Suicide Squad should have been the first time was never done. Therefore, there is no air cut so, I mean, I'm not surprised he's saying this. Like, it's not a shock. We're we're on to the next thing. Like, I'm, I've moved on from DC. My favorite DC movie right now at the current moment has nothing to do with the old DCEU. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Like, it's, it's done. It's done. My favorite DC film right now is probably uh, three of them. ZSJL, The Batman, and Joker. Those are my three favorite 
favorites to be watching back to back right now. But like, dude, come on, man. Like, we knew this. This ain't news. We've been new this. That movie is never coming out. James Gunn, when they, when James Gunn came out with the Suicide Squad, that's how you knew that movie was never coming out. Ayers Cut was never coming out. It wasn't happening. Well, my whole thing is, what reason would it make sense if you're DC, you're Warner Brothers, and you're trying to make a new universe... Why would you release something that reminds people of the old one? Yeah. That that just makes absolutely no sense. And it I'm not shocked at all that it's not coming out. I'm not disheartened that it's not coming out. Um I, I I've been very, very critical of uh of Suicide Squad. I think it's a horrific movie. I'm not at all interested in seeing it again. Uh, and yeah. now I can actually sleep peacefully knowing I'll never have to worry about it coming out again. Yeah. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen to begin with, man. It was, I mean, that's crazy, bro. Like, unless the movie is filmed already, I ain't trying to, like, bro, I don't got another four years to waste you know, I, I only campaigned for a movie one time, and it was worth it. And I, if I had to go back, I would do it again. But that was it. I ain't doing it for none of these other. Like, if you don't got it already filmed and already ready, don't. I ain't. I ain't trying to hear it, bro. Leave. Leave it alone. Mm. Well, this was a good one, bro. Absolutely, broski. This was absolutely an amazing one. Thank you guys for tuning in to J House Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Eric Houston with my co-host Devin Elliott, and we will see you guys next time. Happy freaking New Year's. It's going to be a big year for Jay House, and we'll catch you guys later, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of Jay House Radio.